You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Romans chapter number 8, and uh, I'd like to bring you a message tonight that God has kind of laid on my heart, and it's just one word, and uh, you know, it's not complicated, just one word, and it's based off our church theme for this year. Can you guess what word it is? There's only three words up there, amen, and uh, you got a 33.3% chance, but the word that we're talking tonight is the first word that's up there, and that is the word more, the word more. The Bible says in Romans 8 and verse number 35, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors. Through him that loved us, for I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Again, I'd like to bring us a message tonight on one word, the word more. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your goodness to us. I thank you for your grace, for your mercy. I thank you for the opportunity to stand behind this pulpit to preach your word. And God, I pray that you'd help me. I pray that you'd calm my nerves. I pray that you'd help me to say the things that you've laid upon my heart. Most of all, Lord, I pray that you'd help us to leave here knowing that we met with you. I pray that you'd encourage those who are discouraged. God, I pray that you'd give strength and health to those who are dismayed or even afraid tonight. And God, I pray that you'd help us at the end of this uh, message here tonight to know that uh, we've met with you, for we ask these things in your precious name. Amen. Thank you so much for standing. You may be seated. You know, there are various things that as I became an adult, or as I'm becoming an adult, if you will, that uh, you kind of learn along the way. And uh, you're learning uh, when you have children uh, for the first time, and you're kind of learning through the process there, and there's a lot of things that if you asked, hey, would you do some things different? Absolutely. And I felt like we were kids having kids, and uh, maybe that's a, a, a conglomerate of folks that would agree with that or would think the same way uh, as you get more mature. And, but, but, but if you would have asked at the time, I would have said, oh, yeah, I'm a grown adult. I'm mature at you know, 21 years old or 22 years old, raising children and uh, whatnot. But uh, one of the things, and I mentioned this before, but you don't have to teach a kid or a child to say the words what? No, you're with me. We're on the same page. I've never seen an adult, and maybe you have. Maybe this has happened in your family. I've never seen an adult looking at their child say, no, no. Come on, say it. No, no. You know, I, I've never seen that before. Now, usually you hear dada or mama or whatever else, and every good spiritual child starts out his first words with dada, amen. And you know things are going to be well with that child if that comes out first. Uh, but, uh, you know, you, you say these things, mama, mama, dada, but you don't have to teach them no. You also don't have to teach them the word mine, 
You know, I've never heard an adult tell a child that as well as say after me, mine. But somewhere along the way, they learn those words and we try and get those words out of their vocabulary as they begin to grow. But then somehow we get it out of their vocabulary and then our teenagers don't know how to say no. And we're like, come on, repeat after me. No, like you can say it. Hey, you can go against bad influences. You can say no to bad things. But uh, one of the things that kids like to, children like to do is say more, right? It's like you give them something. This is teenagers as well. And I don't know about you, but in my house with one particular child, everything seems like it's a negotiation. It's like, hey, look, if we're like, you know what, it's time to go to bed. Then the next thing that follows is, well, what about five more minutes? Or let me just watch one more episode of this. Or, hey, what about this? Everything is in negotiation. And I don't know about you, but I'm not looking for a negotiation when I'm telling my children to do something, right? And it's like, hey, look, here's what I want you to do. And it's, well, how about this? Or it's like, hey, no more candy or no more ice cream or no more cake. And they just say, well, how about just one more? How about just one more? And it doesn't stop there, right? We're like, no, we would actually like to take back the one that you had because you didn't need it to begin with, not just more. So we're telling them, hey, don't ask for more, don't ask for more. But yet at some point in our life, in specific areas, we need more. The Bible says here, more than conquerors. And again, what is a conqueror? Someone who conquers a place or people. I think of uh, the word conquer, I think of uh, the, you know, achieving something. I think of getting the victory over some area in your life or maybe it's some mountain that you're climbing and you've conquered that area, but we're not supposed to be just conquerors. It doesn't just come that, hey, we, we get a spiritual victory, we reach the mountaintop and it's all over and we've reached the pinnacle and we don't have any more to go because there's nowhere else to go. No, there's always more mountains to climb. There's always more victories to be had. There's always more to do for the cause of Christ. And that's why we say more than conquerors. Because again, that's not just something we achieve. Hey, I'm a conqueror now. It's more than that. Hey, there's something more for us to do. Hey, if we're breathing here tonight, can you say amen? Amen. amen. And that's 90% of us. I'm a little bit worried about the other 10%. But you know what? If you're breathing here tonight, then God has something more for you to do with your life. You say, how do we survive during these times of unrest? How do we survive during a pandemic? How do we get through these times? And I'd like to say more. You say, well, what, well, how does that word more equate to that? You know what? In this life, I don't want to just survive. I want to thrive. I don't want to just make it through life. Hey, I want to live on the winning side. If something is not growing, it's said that it's dying. Luke 2.52, the Bible says, And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. And if Jesus increased, so much more do we need to increase. Hebrews 2, verse number 1, the Bible says, Therefore we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things that we've heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. And I would dare say at this day and age, we need more. 
Hey, we need more of Jesus Christ. Hey, we need more of the Bible. Hey, we need more prayer. Hey, we need more preaching. We need more victories and to do more for God's Word here in this day and age that which we live today. There's a song that says, If I could find the right words to say to tell you just what Christ means to me, I'd say He's more than I could show and more than you'll ever know. Christ means more to me than you'll ever know. Christ means more to me than I could possibly show. More, more, so much more, more than you'll ever know. The question is, is He more to you today? Where are we at spiritually today than we were at last year at this time? What do we do in the midst of a pandemic? More. What do we do when we're facing a battle that we can't overcome? More. What do we do when the walls are caving around us and this world is all you can see? More. What do we feel like? What do we do when we can't keep going on or we feel like we can't keep going on? More. But what do we do when we feel like everything's okay? It's still the same answer. More. What do we do when we can't pay the bills? More. What do we do when the bills are paid? More. What do we do when we're fearful? More. What do we do when we're discouraged? More. Are you starting to get the picture? The answer is the word more. You say, well, what are you talking about? I'll get there. The Bible says in Hebrews 10.25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. I would like to look at a specific event in the Bible where someone did more. If you will, take your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 17. 1 Samuel chapter 17. One specific event in the Bible where someone, an individual, did more. When the crowd was not doing more and they were looking on, and we'll describe them uh, uh, as we go along, but when the crowd wasn't doing anything, when the leaders weren't doing anything about the problem when there were a bunch of onlookers, an individual decided, hey, it's time to take a stand. Hey, it's time to do something that's more for God's glory and for God's honor. The question is, will you be that individual that stands up and says, hey, you know what? I'll do more. That's what God wants. 1 Samuel chapter 17 and verse number 1. The Bible says in a familiar story with David and Goliath, uh, two famous characters in the Bible, if you will. The Bible says in verse number one, now the Philistines gathered together their armies to battle and were gathered together at these places. In verse number two, and Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together and pitched by the valley of Elah and, the, uh, and, and set the battle in array against the Philistines. And the Philistines stood on a mountain on the one side and Israel stood on the mountain on the other side. And there was a valley between them. And there went out a champion out of the camp of the Philistines named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. And a cubit there is about a foot and a half or a foot and five inches if you want to be more specific. So we're talking about six cubits and a span, arguably over nine feet tall, nine feet, three inches tall. And if he had his boots on, maybe a little bit taller. And he had his helmet on, maybe a little bit taller. And it goes on to talk about his armor and how much his armor weighed and how big this guy was and how bad this guy was and how ugly this guy was and how mean this guy was. And he was a champion. 
You say, well, what does that mean? He was undefeated. Nobody had beat this individual. And uh, he's standing there defying the armies of the children of Israel. And in verse number 10, the Bible says, And the Philistines said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. And what did the people do? They said, yeah, I'll take him on. Yeah, I'll, I'll get in the ring with this guy. And uh, again, we've talked about getting in the ring with folks and you often size people up, you know, especially in high school. Who am I going to mess with? Who am I not going to mess with? Well, I would just dare say that if there was a nine foot three uh, uh, individual in your high school, that'd probably not be the individual that I would want to mess with. You know, we, we, you typically go after the smaller ones, amen? And uh, my cousin was smaller than I was, but he was tough. But you know what? Every, people would pick on him. Why is that? Because he was shorter. And uh, his dad told him, if somebody messes with you, you sock him in the face. And guess what? They're not going to mess with you anymore. But if he didn't, people would mess with him and bully him or whatever else. But a lot of those guys that he got in a fight with were some of his best friends because they realized, I'm not going to mess with this guy. And, uh, but uh, nonetheless, this guy's nine, over nine feet tall. And what is their response? Do they stand up and say, hey, you know what? I'll fight for God. Hey, you know what? God's on my side. I'm willing to stand up and fight. No, look at verse number 11. The Bible says, when Saul, who's the king, and all Israel heard those words of the Philistines, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Why is it? Because they were facing a champion who was undefeated. Hey, why is it? Because this guy was tall. Hey, because this guy was strong. Hey, because the odds did not look like they were in their favor. It looked like an impossible battle that they couldn't get through. But the whole problem here was that they were looking at the enemy and not looking up to God who could provide for all their needs, who could meet and who could beat that giant. And you know what? Just like that today, we're facing some unsurmountable objects. We're facing some things that look impossible. We're facing some things in America today that look like, how are we ever going to make it through? And how am I going to meet the bills? And how am I going to do this? And I would dare say the answer is more. In verse 11, they were dismayed and they were afraid. Does that sum up our emotions currently? Does that sum up our emotions that are going on in our life? Are we dismayed? We don't know what to do. Hey, are we afraid? Hey, I, I don't know where to go. I don't know what to do because there's this pandemic going on. And I'm not, I'm not saying at all that we completely disregard and say, hey, I'm not only going to go uh, 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 skydiving, but I'm not even going to take a parachute with me. I think that we should be prepared, that we should be safe. We shouldn't be reckless. But at the same time, the Bible says specifically that we're not supposed to live in fear. But that's what the devil wants us to do is to live in fear and to live and be afraid and to live and be dismayed. In verse number 12, there's a man named David that steps on the scene. In verse 14, the Bible says that David was the youngest. In verse number 16, Goliath drew near morning and evening, the Bible says, for 40 days. So it wasn't just one day that he came across and, and then people thought about it and said, you know what, I should have stepped up. I should have been the man. I should have I trusted God. This went on for 40 days that these folks are dismayed, that these folks are afraid. 40 days. And it would have been longer if somebody wouldn't have stepped up and done more. In verse 17, Jesse sends David to bring his brother's food. 
In verse 23, David heard Goliath berating the army of the children of Israel. And in verse 34, all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, the Bible says, they fled from him and were sore afraid. And David decides to take a stand and says in verse number 29, is there not a cause? And let me just say, just like there was a cause in 1 Samuel 17, 29, there's a cause today. Hey, there's a reason to do more. Hey, there's a cause today to do right, to take a stand, to say, hey, I'm not going to give over. I'm not going to give in to the devil. I'm going to keep pressing on. I'm going to keep fighting for what's right because there's a cause today just like there was back then. So you say you've mentioned this word more so many times, but you've not said what do we need to do more of. How did David have the confidence to face this giant? How did David have the strength to go against this champion and say, hey, you know what? Is there not a cause? And I'm going to take on this giant here today. I'd like to give us just three points, a very simple message with this word more. First of all, look down at uh, verse number 33. The Bible says, And Saul said to David, Thou art not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for thou art but a youth, and he a man of war from his youth. How discouraging is that? That the guy who's afraid is breeding fear. And you know what? That's what happens in this life. Those who are supposed to be leading us, those who are the ones who are supposed to take a stand, sometimes are the ones cowering away. And then we have to take a stand and say, hey, you know what? I'm going to take a stand in that area. And what does David say here? You know what? You're right. Sorry. I shouldn't have said that. No. In verse 34, he says, And David said unto Saul, Thy servant kept his father's sheep. And there came a lion and a bear and took a lamb out of the flock. And I went out after him and smote him and delivered it out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and smote him and slew him. Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing yet defied the armies of the living God. And David said, moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of the Philistine. And Saul said unto David, go, and the Lord be with thee. Hey, you know what? He said something that was encouraging. And Saul said, hey, maybe you're right. Go ahead. Go on. He didn't hinder him anymore. But you say, what do you need more of? The first thing that we need more of is past victories. We need more past victories you say, what are you talking about past victories? Hey, has there ever been a time in your life when you were facing an insurmountable object, when you were facing overwhelming odds, when you were facing something that you knew that you couldn't get through without God's help? And maybe it was a bill, or maybe it was a physical ailment, or maybe it was uh, something with family, or maybe it was a difficulty that you were going through. And you said, I can't get through this on my own. And you prayed to God, and God met with you, and God met the need that took place, and God provided a miracle such as no one else could explain it except for God met with you and we had a victory at that point have we ever had that in our life hey that's a past victory hey we need some victories in our life spiritually speaking hey when's the last time that we had a direct answer to prayer and maybe it's something small that God has done that, that maybe even I find in my life sometimes that I want something to take place and, and I, I don't even pray about it, but, but God meets the need and it's not, just what, what, uh, it's not just what I pray for, but what I desire as well. And I just sit back in awe and say, hey God, you know what, that's you. 
God wants us to have joy. God wants us to have fulfillment. God wants us to have courage here in this life. And how do we receive those? By having past victories. Hey, how do we face the future obstacles that are going to come? You heard over and over again. You saw the memes and maybe you were we're part of those memes that said, hey, I'm ready to close out 2020. I'm looking forward to 2021. Hey, this new year is going to be great. And uh, then after events started transpiring this year, somebody said, hey, after test running the first year, can we give it back and start over? Hey, who's looking forward to 2022? Amen. And uh, we're only a year away. We're only 11 months away or whatever else you can say. But again, how do we have past victories? How do we, how do we face the future is to have past victories. And again, maybe you say it's something small. You know, for me, a lot of the times it's I lose my keys or I lose my wallet or I lose my phone I couldn't find the other day. And I don't know how it ended up where it ended up. I have no idea. But uh, you know what? And you, you, you look everywhere and you exhaust all, all options. And then you say, you know what? I'm just going to pray. And then all of a sudden, God shows you where it is. You know what? Let's not take those prayers lightly. Let's not take those answers to prayer lightly because you know what? The God that can help you with something trivial with finding your wallet or finding your keys can help you with something that seems insurmountable, with something that we look at as impossible. God can meet the need there. What do we need more of? Hey, how do we make it through during a pandemic? How do we make it through when there's turmoil uh, in the White House, when there's turmoil in our families, when there's uh, things that we're faced that we don't know how we're going to get through it by having past victories? Hey, you know what we need to do when we have answered prayers to write it down? Say, God, you met this need on today's date because there's going to come a time when we need that encouragement, when we need that extra special prayer request, and we can go back and say, hey, God, just like you met these needs here, you can meet needs today. And God, you're the same God, you change not. And he wants to meet our needs, but you know what? We need past victories and it gives us confidence for the future. How could this boy named David stand up and look at this Philistine and say, hey, I'm going to take this guy on. You know why? He said what was out of his mouth. It didn't start off with, hey, God is able, although God was able, and he gives God credit for it. The first thing he talks about is God had already delivered him through past circumstances, and the same God was going to deliver him in the future when he faced that giant. But you know what? We need some past victories Hey, we need some answers to prayers right now when maybe we're not facing that foe that we're going to face later on this year. Think about a time that God has brought you through something. How did you make it through? You know what? God is able. The Bible says, I am the Lord. I change not. The creator of the universe is on my side and he can get you through it. And he says here again, he says he beat a lion and a bear. And of course, he categorizes it and said, the Lord that delivered me. He gave God the praise and the glory. Sometimes I think we think by our own intelligence or by our own strength. You know, it's like, hey, I exhausted every effort that I could do in my life and then I prayed and God got me through. But then we think afterwards, you know what? Maybe that was just me. Like I should have just looked there the whole time. Or I, you know what? I thought of that. I figured that out. That was me. And you may not say it out loud, but that pride comes by not going to him in the future and being right back where we started and trying to solve it on our own, which is what I do all the time. How do we make it through a pandemic? Hey, how do we get through today's day and age more? More past victories. Hey, how do we make it through? 
the next thing that I see that he talks about in verse number 38, it says, And Saul armed David with his armor, and he put a helmet of brass upon his head. Also he armed him with a coat of mail. Verse 39, And David girded his sword upon his armor, and he essayed to go, for he had not proved it. And David said to Saul, I cannot go with these, for I have not proved them. And David put them off him. And he took a staff in his hand and chose him five smooth stones out of the brook, put them in a shepherd's bag, which he had, even a script. And his sling was in his hand, and he drew near to the Philistines. How do we get through a pandemic? How do we get through insurmountable, what seems like insurmountable objects in life, more past victories, more proven weaponry? Proven weaponry. Arguably, if I was going to face somebody who was nine foot three, who had a big uh, uh, spear, if you will, and the, and the, the, the tip of that spear weighed probably as much as David did, I don't know. Uh, you know maybe, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 pounds, I'm not sure. But uh, arguably speaking, logically speaking, we're going to fight this giant. Well, what should we fight him with? Hey, here's a sword. Hey, here's some armor to put on to protect you when he hits you with that big spear that hopefully it's not just going to penetrate. Hopefully that armor is going to help you out. But you know what? David haven't proved that armor. It wasn't the same thing that he used before in his past victories. What have we done to get the past victories? What does the Bible say the recipe is for revival? It's not anything new. We sit around sometimes and think, how can we have revival? Well, let's do this and let's do this and let's do this. But the Bible already gives us the formula for revival. And you know what? That's a proven weaponry. Proven weaponry. Hey, uh, uh, 2 Corinthians 10.3, the Bible says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God through the pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing every thought into the captivity to the obedience of Christ. If we think for half a second that everything going on is just because there's political parties, then we missed it. Hey, there is some spiritual warfare that's taking place right now. And the freedoms that we enjoy today are probably not the freedoms that our children and our grandchildren are going to enjoy in the next generation. You know what? It's coming to a time where in America, you're going to have to take a stand. And you're going to have to be different. And you know what? That doesn't scare me. It encourages me. Because every time throughout history, when Christianity has has uh, plenished and flourished, it's been when it's been oppressed. But I think far too long in America, we've just kind of blended in with the crowd. We've just kind of done what everybody else does, and there's no difference in our lives, and there's no difference in our actions the majority of the time than the rest of the world. But how do we make it through these times? More? More proven weaponry? Hey, what weapons do we have? Am I up here tonight with a sword and a spear and a shield? No, because that's not what we're fighting. The fighting that we're doing is a spiritual warfare. And we need to have spiritual weapons. Ephesians 6, 12, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, 
against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Matthew 17, 21, the Bible says, How be it, this kind goeth not out, but by prayer and fasting. That's proven weaponry right there. How did we have the past victories? Was it because of our intelligence? I would dare say no, at least not mine. Was it by our own strength that we got through and were conquerors at one time in our lives and we got through an impossible task? I would dare say not. Well, then why try to use those same weapons facing insurmountable objects today or that we're going to face in the future? It's not our intelligence. It's not by our own strength. It's by God helping us. Hey, it's through prayer. Hey, it's through walking with God. Hey, it's through fasting. And by those means, we can accomplish great things. By those means, we can do more for the cause of Christ. By those means, we can get through when it seems like it's impossible. 2 Chronicles 7.14 says, If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray, seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven will forgive their sin, and will heal their land. We cannot fight a spiritual battle with physical weapons. What is proven weaponry is prayer, is repentance, is fasting. How do we get through those impossible tasks? By the same weapons that are used there. Prayer, repentance, and fasting. Hey, being close to God, hey, knowing that we can get a hold of God Hey, we need more past victories. Hey, we need more to use our proven weaponry more if we're going to make it through in today's day and age. And lastly, in verse number 49, although David had past victories, although David had the proven weaponry, things that he knew, the things that he was comfortable with, there's something else that had to come through in order to accomplish the impossible. In verse number 49, the Bible says, And David put his hand in his bag and took thence a stone and slang it and smote the Philistine in his forehead that the stone sunk into his forehead and he fell upon his face to the earth. And David ran in verse number 51 and stood upon the Philistine and took his sword and drew it out of the sheath thereof and slew him and cut off his head therewith. I love that part, amen. He stands over him, pulls his sword out and chops his head off. And then what I love about it is he's carrying this head around. And check this thing out right here. Hey, you know what? Do we have any Goliath heads that we're carrying around and saying, hey, this is what God helped me do the impossible. Hey, look what God helped me to do. And carrying around and telling everybody else about it. Because you know what that caused by him carrying that head around. All of a sudden, those people who were dismayed and afraid, all those people who fled for 40 days, you know what they did? They pulled out their swords and they said, hey, let's get them. You know what, when we get those victories, we need to carry it around just like that head and say, hey, look what God's done for me. Amen. And you know what it does? It encourages everyone else to get that same more and say, hey, you know what, I can do it as well. What do we need? We need more past victories. We need more proven weaponry. And lastly, we need providential intervention. Amen. You know what happened there? David had the right tools. But you know what happened when David had the right tools? All of a sudden... God stepped in. And you know what? That providential intervention took that stone and sunk it right into that giant's forehead, right where it needed to be. 
And you know what? That's what we need to pray for is that providential intervention. How do we get through this life? How can we be more than conquerors? How do we handle an impossible task with our finances or with our family or with a, uh, something with our health? How do, how do we make it through? I don't know how I'm going to get through more than conquerors. Hey, more past victories. Let's get some victories. Let's get some answers to prayer. Hey, let's get a hold of God and say, hey, and this year I want to do more. But we're so focused on everything that's happening on the outside that we forget that what's really important is what's happening on the inside. More past victories. Hey, more proven weaponry. Fasting, prayer, repentance, making sure that we're thoroughly right with God. And then that providential intervention. You know what? When we get those things set up, guess what? That's the time that God steps in and says, hey, you know what? I'm going to get you through this. Hey, you know what? I'm still on the throne. Hey, I'm still God. I can still do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And you know what he was in the end of this? You know, we have our theme, more than conquerors. You know what David was? More than a champion. More than a champion. Goliath stood there, and guess what? He's not undefeated anymore. David's walking around with his head. David was more than a champion. You know what? Let's make that our theme this year. Not just more than conquerors, but more than champions. That's what I want to be, but how do we do it? With one word, the word more. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.